now that half the church is gone? All right, let's pray real quick. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again this morning, Lord. I ask you just to, Lord, today, just settle our hearts, settle our minds, Lord, and just, Lord, just help us focus on you and not the world around us, Lord, and, and let us open your word and, and hear these words, Lord, and as always, I ask you just to let these words be your words, not my words, Lord, and, and let us be able to, to learn and, and understand and, and maybe gain some new insight unto you, Lord, in your ministry and those who followed you, Lord. And I ask you all these things in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, good morning, and we're going to continue going down the, looking at the followers of Jesus, because, you know, it just seems like uh, the more you dig, the more you find that uh, there's people out there that were in the New Testament that, that followed Jesus. <clears throat> and um, so we're going to talk about a guy named Nicodemus today, Nicodemus. And, you know, when I first had his name on my list, I was like, okay, Nicodemus, yeah, I know what he did, you know. It's not much, but when you dig into it, it gets deep with old Nicodemus. So let, let's look at him. Let's, we're going to start off in, in John chapter 3 <clears throat> and verse 1, and we're going to try to learn who this guy was because he was a follower of Jesus. And in John chapter 3 verse 1 says, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. A ruler of the Jews. So what do we see in just that one verse? We see that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, okay? And he was a leader of the Jews. He was a ruler of the Jews. And what that means is that he had authority over other Jews. He was a ruler of the Jews. And the Pharisees, who were they? Well, the Pharisees, we hear about them all through the New Testament. But the Pharisees were a group of Jews, Jews only. And they were very attentive and very concerned with keeping every little letter of the law. Not man's law. They're talking about the Old Testament law. You know, um, the law of Moses. The first five books of the Bible. They were serious about that. And because of that, they often opposed Jesus Christ during his ministry. Because remember, he came to fulfill that law. Okay, well, they didn't understand that. They were still fighting for that law. So the Pharisees were... They were very, they had good intentions, but they didn't believe who Christ was. And they were serious about it. Uh, you would see these, these would be the people that are like serious about, you know, being a, either a Republican or a Democrat. They're just staunch and hard and they're all for it, right? And that's who these Pharisees were. So let's go to, to Acts chapter 23, verse 6 and learn something about Pharisees. <clears throat> Acts 23 in verse 6, <clears throat> and the Bible says, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. So what are we? who is this guy? This is Paul. Remember, he, before he was Paul, they called him Saul. He killed Christians, but he was a Pharisee. He had that same mentality, he had that same ideology of, of being very serious about his, uh, his following of the law. That was Paul. That was Saul, right? So let's look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Matthew 23, 23. <clears throat> 
So these old Pharisees, they're, you know, like I said, they're strong believers in the law and they like to follow it. But let's see what Jesus thinks about Pharisees. Matthew 23, 23, the Bible says, this is, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. Hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to done have have to have done and not leave them the other undone. So we see here Jesus strongly denounces the Pharisees. For what? For their legalism. For they're just sticklers with sticking to the law. And he says by sticking to this law, by just being so hard minded and single minded and not open to my ministry, you're missing the point. And he denounced them. Okay, well, this is the group of Pharisees that Nicodemus was. He was one of those guys, right? So let's look at John chapter 7 in verse 47. John 7 in verse 47, and we're going to read uh, 47 to 51. <clears throat> John chapter 7 in verse 47 to 51. The Bible says, then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, being one of who? Being one of the Pharisees. Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? Okay, so what are these verses talking about? What is going on here? Well, we look at here and we see Nicodemus, he's also a member of the Sanhedrin. Okay, and the Sanhedrin is the council. It's the ruling body of the Jews during this time. And Nicodemus is, is, is a part of this ruling body, the Sanhedrin, in Jerusalem. So he's of the council of Jerusalem. He's a Pharisee, and I bet you had to be a Pharisee before you could be in the Sanhedrin. Because you had to believe as the Jews, and you had to be a Jew to be in the Sanhedrin, okay? So what was the Sanhedrin? You know, we hear that word. What was it? Well, each Jewish city during Roman rule, remember, Rome conquered everything, including Israel, right? So each Jewish city, Jewish city could have a Sanhedrin. A Sanhedrin is a council, a governing body, okay? And that council would function kind of like a lower court in our system today. They didn't have ultimate control, but they had a pretty good bit of control, right? And under Roman authority in, in the time of Christ, these, the, the, the Jewish nation was allowed a measure of self-rule. The Romans had conquered them, but they kind of conquered their land physically, but they, kind of, they let them continue to do their Jewish things. They didn't just go in there and stop all their practices and stop their culture, right? And because of this, they were allowed to have the Sanhedrin. And this Sanhedrin court that we're reading about right here, this council is actually the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. And they were the final court of appeals, basically, in all the matters of Jewish people. They were the ones you went to. And they, they, were, they would deal with anything regarding Jewish law or Jewish religion. They were the court. They were the power, okay? Well, this exact same council, this Sanhedrin, is the group that ultimately condemned Jesus Christ to death, okay? 
But remember, when they condemned him, they still had to go get Pilate's approval, and Pilate was the Roman governor of that area, okay? They couldn't, they could sentence him to death, but they couldn't carry it out. That was the way the power structure was. And, and because the death penalty was beyond their jurisdiction of what they could do. That's why they had to have Pilate come in and do it for them. And, and this was what Nicodemus was. He was a Pharisee, but he was part of this exact court, this court that condemned Christ to die. That was Nicodemus. He was in that Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, okay? So let's look at John chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. So we kind of know where Nicodemus is coming from. He's a Pharisee. You know, he's in the Sanhedrin. He, he's, he's in the movers and shakers. He's in the Jewish power structure of that day. So let's go back and look at John, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, the Bible says, There was a man of, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and saith, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no other man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. There's a lot in that one verse. Huge. But what do we see? We see this is the Nicodemus that came to Jesus at night to question him. What was he questioning him for? Was he questioning him about, are you our Lord and Savior? Or was he questioning him because he had heard Christ preach and he believed? He wanted to interact with him. He wanted to learn more. That's why he went to him at night. And then he was probably because he was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin. So he really couldn't go hang out at, at uh, wherever Christ was having his tent meetings, right? He couldn't be seen there. He definitely couldn't go to, to Christ dur during the daytime and, and go up to Christ in person and start talking to him. Think about it. Nicodemus was a Jew, so he knew the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee. He knew the first five books of the Bible. He knew probably the whole Old Testament. Because remember, they were serious about keeping the law, keeping the law of Moses. So Nicodemus knew about the coming Messiah long before Jesus was here. Okay, he, and, and like I said, he was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And both of these groups, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, were very interested in Jesus for one thing. They wanted him dead. But Nicodemus is part of those groups. Kind of a bad place to be, right? So we see in these verses that we just read, we see that Nicodemus believed in Jesus, right? Because he called him rabbi, okay? Rabbi means master, okay? If I'm going to question somebody at my work, about a crime, I'm not going to call him rabbi. I'll probably call him suspect or offender or some other words, but not rabbi, not master. He knew Christ was the Messiah, okay? And what else did we see here? He told Jesus, he said, he said he knew that Jesus came from God. It says right there, it says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Why is he saying we? He's talking to other people. He's talking to other disciples. Maybe he goes to, you know, the, the church meetings after hours when nobody else is around, but he has knowledge, and he's talking about a group of believers. We said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He could have stopped right there and said, teacher. It says, no, come from God. So he knows Jesus Christ is the rabbi, he's the master, he's the Messiah, and he knows he came from God. 
And the last thing he tells us here, here we see that Nicodemus admitted to witnessing the miracles that Jesus performed. Right there it says, um, uh, come from God, no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Nicodemus had seen some miracles from God. He was following Christ. Even though he was part of the groups who were wanting to kill him, he was secretly following Christ. He didn't let them know, I'm sure. He probably wouldn't have been in there, in their, you know, in the little, right at the clubhouse anymore, right? So he, he, he saw those. But let's look at, at verse 3, and let's read this. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what, here we see what Nicodemus was going at night to talk to Christ about. He wanted to know about salvation. If he wasn't questioning salvation, then he wouldn't have been a believer. He couldn't, you can't believe in Christ if, you, if you're, and, and care about salvation. That just doesn't work. So we see that this conversation, when they're having their conversation, Jesus, Jesus immediately confronts Nicodemus with the truth about being born again. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't, you know, make excuses or talk about the weather or that's a nice-looking horse and wagon over there. No. He immediately gets to the point and tells him, Jesus tells him, this is the way you must be born again. It, and, and he's talking him about being born again, which he's talking about there is the, the words he's talking about, except a man be born again. It's talking about being born from above. Those words mean being born from above, okay? So let's look at verses 4 through 8. Same chapter. We're just going to go through this chapter a little bit. Verses 4 through 8, the Bible says, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So Jesus just gives him a lot, a lot to chew on. And the key right there is he says, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. He told him you got to be born again. Well, Nicodemus is focused on the physical. He's like, how can I go back into the womb and come out a second time? Jesus says, that's not what I'm telling you here. Okay. But Nicodemus questions Jesus about this physical birth. And Jesus very directly explains to him, it's not the physical birth being born again to Nicodemus. He says it's being born again is a spiritual birth. A spiritual birth is something you can't see, just like he explains here in the wind. You can feel the wind. We can't see it coming. We can't see it going. Nobody knows where it's at until, it's, until you feel it. It's the same thing with spiritual birth. You can't see the spiritual birth in a physical realm. Okay, that's what Jesus is trying to teach him here. Let's look at verse 9, see if Nicodemus got it. So verse 9, the Bible says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Nicodemus is still not getting it right. huh? He's still having a hard time grasping it. He's still questioning Jesus about being born again. Now, he may have moved from the physical onto the spiritual. Now he's really wanting to know the spiritual. 
He's really wanting to tune in here. And, and, and he asks Christ, how can these things be? How can I be spiritually born again? So let's look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Jesus just cut him off right there at the knees, didn't he? You see, Jesus corrects Nicodemus here, and he tells him that there are a few things you should already know since you're a leader of the Jews. He's basically telling Jesus, telling Nicodemus, You know the Old Testament. How can you not know me? It's all about me coming. This whole book is about my arrival and what I'm going to do when I get here. How can you not know me? But then Jesus goes on to explain what it means to be born again. And in the rest of the chapter, he, he explains to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. And this, this explanation of a spiritual birth, a spiritual salvation. Let's go to the most famous verse in the world that everybody knows, 316. 316, Jesus told Nicodemus this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Christian church uses this verse for salvation. And Nicodemus was the one that it was said to. That's the Nicodemus we're talking about. You know, it... If Christ, just looking at this, this chapter, if, if Christ was, was in you, was sitting at your house, and you're sitting there with him alone, and he's talking to you, and you're asking about salvation, and he tells you verses uh, 10 through 21, and you don't get salvation, and it's coming out of the Messiah's mouth? That's pretty impossible, right? So let, let's look on. Um, so let's go to, to John chapter 7. Let's, let's see where Nicodemus is at. So now Christ has explained... You know, he, Nicodemus has went to him at night because he's a believer. He's following. He's, he's learning. He's seeking knowledge. He went to Jesus at night. Jesus spoke to him about salvation. Okay? So let's see what happens in chapter 7. So this is the next time we see Nicodemus in the Bible. And, and here we see he's functioning in his official capacity as a member of the Sanhedrin here. He's in the council. Okay? And where, what is he in the council for? What are they considering in this verse, this chapter? They're considering what they're going to do with Jesus. So here is Nicodemus, a secret follower maybe, a disciple of Christ. He's been explained salvation, probably got saved because Christ told it to his face, but he's still sitting in the council. And he's on the council that's going to figure out what to do with Jesus. So let, let's look at this. And let's look at uh, just the first verse there in, in John chapter 7. Verse 1 says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. So he won't even go into Judea. Why? Because the Jews are hunting him. They want to find Jesus and kill him. And this is the counsel that old Nicodemus is sitting on. Let's look at verse or chapter 2. I mean, chapter 2. Let's look at verse 2. It says, Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacle was at hand. Wow, ouch. Ouch, kind of a, a, a kind of a rock in the, in the path right there. Jesus won't go into G Judea, but it's the time of the tabernacles. Why is that important? Well, let's look at this. So the, 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 the time of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, why is this important? Well, and, and I looked it up, and it's really important. It says, the Feast of the Tabernacles is a week-long fall festival 
And what's it commemorating? Not Halloween, guys. Not Halloween. It's commemorating the 40-year journey the Israelites had in the wilderness. When they went out of Egypt and they were disobedient for 40 years and they finally got to the promised land, that's what this festival is about. Okay? And it's also along with, with Passover um, and the Festival of the Weeks, and, and the, then there's the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is, these are one of the three great pilgrimages and feasts recording in the Bible, okay? But it's also one of the three feasts and one of the three um, things they do, the Jews do, that all Jewish males are required to go before the Lord in the temple at Jerusalem. But Jesus just said he can't go in there because they're going to kill him. Do you see where he's at? Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is a male. Here's the Feast of the Tabernacles, the biggest, one of their biggest festivals. But he can't go into Jerusalem because they're going to kill him. Okay? And if, you, and if you look at this, if you really read it, this, this Feast of the Tabernacles would be an equivalent of the American Thanksgiving. It's very important. Okay? It's important to us. And a Jewish male, Jesus, like I said, he was required to do this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and he had to go to the temple. Who's going to be in the temple? All the Jews. The Sanhedrin are probably there. The Pharisees are there. So Jerusalem was the main city where the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin were in. That was their base of power. And they were actively seeking to kill Jesus. Do you see the, 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 the dilemma here? He's got to go into a city where the base of power is hunting him. Probably not a good place to go. And here's the thing. Nicodemus would have known all of this. He would have known they were seeking Jesus, but he would also have known that Jesus was his Lord and Savior, and he had to come to the tabernacle, had to come to the temple. Nicodemus knew all this. What kind of, what kind of turmoil do you think is going inside of Nicodemus, right? So let's look. John chapter 7 still, and we're going to read 6 through 9. <clears throat> Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hate but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto the feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. So what is Jesus doing? So these are the people that are around Jesus he's speaking to. And Jesus told, they, they're like, Jesus, it's the Feast of the Tabernacle. Let's go to the temple. He's like, I can't go. It's not my time yet. He told them his time has not yet come, but theirs are here. And he told them, you know, he can't go up in the temple. I can't go there. But he was telling them, you know, he knew that they were seeking to kill him if he went up there. And he told them, Y'all, you guys go on. Your time has come. Go up to the feast. I can't go yet. Why not? Because his ministry is not finished yet. It's not time for him to be crucified. Because God the Father told him it's not time yet. Okay? So let's look at the next few verses. Let's look at 10 through 11. <clears throat> but when his brethren were gone up, then went he up also, I'm sorry, went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? What just happened? Well, Jesus' disciples went to the feast, and Jesus said, Okay, it's time for me to go. It's a week long, so we don't know when he went, but he's like, Okay, it's time for me to go. 
Well, the Pharisees and Sanhedrin, they also had this knowledge. They knew his Jewish male, right? They knew he was going to come, or they were hoping, right? They were expecting him to come to the feast. Do you think they didn't have spies and officers waiting? You know, if we were waiting on somebody, you know, Chris would pass out little wanted posters, look for this dude, find him, he's coming, we know he's coming. It's exactly what they were doing, they are waiting on him, right? And it says he went up in secret, so he didn't go up in a bunch of fanfare. He just put on his cloak and his, his shoes and went to Jerusalem. No fanfare, just went to the temple, right? And, and Nicodemus was there, and, and I'm sure he heard all their plans to capture and kill Jesus. And, and he did not speak against Jesus, and he kept his secret about following him, I'm sure. He probably didn't tell everybody, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. He probably didn't, you know, have Jesus Saves t-shirt on or anything. Um, he was there. His heart had to be hurting. He's sitting on this council. He knows they're out actively hunting him. They have the officers of the law hunting for him. So he, his mind had to be in turmoil. He knew Jesus was the Messiah, yet he knew the groups that he was part of was actively seeking and hunting his Lord. They had an arrest warrant for him with, with murder. Kill him. Kill on sight. They wanted him, right? So let's look at, at verses 12 through 13. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some had said, He is a good man. Others said, Nay, but he, had, he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Wow. So we see that everybody that knew about Jesus, remember, he was famous. People knew about him. They heard about him, right? They were coming from all parts of the country to see him and get healed, right? They knew about him during his ministry. He was famous, and, and some people believed on him, while others said, ah, he's a deceiver. He's a liar, right? And those who believed, they kept silent about their faith, didn't they? It says right there. And this was also Nicodemus. He was keeping silent about his faith. It, they were keeping silent that they believed he was the Messiah because they knew what? Those people in power wanted him dead. So what would they do to believers of Christ? Okay? And this would all include Nicodemus. He has to be torn in his heart right now. So let's, same chapter. We're moving on. Let's read 14 through 16. The Bible says, Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, <clears throat> How knoweth this man letters having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but he that sent me. Wow. So what happened? It's the middle of the feast. Sometime during the feast week, Jesus goes up, and he just walks in. They don't catch him. And he walks right into the temple. And guess who's there? The Pharisees, Sanhedrin, the whole nine yards, the temple guards, everybody's there. And, and here we see that Jesus kept the Jewish law. He was a Jewish male. He had to go. He kept that law, and he went to the feast. He went to Jerusalem, and he went to the temple in Jerusalem. And what did he do when he got there? He started teaching and preaching, the exact same they're hunting him for. They're hunting him for preaching. He's doing it. And they were marveled. It says they marveled at him because they didn't understand his doctrine. And he told them, that's okay. You don't have to understand because this is not the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament fulfilled. My doctrine is not my doctrine. It's of he who sent me. Okay? And guess who's there? Old Nicodemus. He's watching all this. He has to be happy and sad at the same time. 
you know. He has to be scared but excited. So let's look at let's look at John chapter 7. Let's jump to verse 30. John chapter 7 and verse 30. The Bible says, Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. So what are they doing? They see him. They know it's him. He's teaching that gospel again. They went to arrest him, but nobody would lay hands on him. Wonder why. Let's figure it out. Let's look at 45 through 47. The Bible says, Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the one that Nicodemus is part of, Are you also deceived? So here we see. He's in the temple. The Pharisees, Sadducees, including Nicodemus, sees him, and they tell the police, Get him. That's the guy on the arrest warrant. Get him. Okay? Well, the guards come back, and they don't have Jesus. And they're like, what is wrong with you? Where is Jesus? And they said, well, we couldn't arrest him because nobody's ever spoken like him. So they went to arrest him, and he's preaching, and they stood there and listened. They were like, wow. And they were like, you going to arrest him? I'm not arresting him. You're going to arrest him? I'm not arresting him. Let's go back and tell him nobody has ever spoke like this. They went and witnessed to the Pharisees about Christ. Think about that. They witnessed to him. They said, this guy's the Christ. I ain't arresting him. And since the guards had started to believe Jesus was the Messiah, they didn't arrest him. And what do the Pharisees do? Are you deceived? You've got to be crazy. He's got an arrest warrant. Are you deceived? You know, and think about it. That is just what the world does today to those who give their life to Christ. Think about it. When you got saved, you heard the gospel, and you got saved, and you, 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 Christ entered your heart, and you're changed, and you're, you're, you're wanting to tell everybody about God. You're going out and witnessing and just overflowing with it. The world looks at you and goes, are you crazy? How many of your friends and family did that? How many people at work look at you and go, you are a nut? They call you a Bible thumper. They call you all kind of names, right? It's exactly what's happening here. They told them guards they're nuts, right? So let's look at 48 and 49. It says, the Bible says, Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed him, on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. What are we seeing here? So these leaders, they accuse the guards, and then they started questioning other leaders in their group of also believing on the words of Jesus. You think maybe they saw something in some of the other Pharisees, some of the other Sadducees, maybe Nicodemus? Maybe they're seeing something. Because when you're saved, you're changed. And you may hide it, but you still see a change, right? They're seeing it because then they're like, is there even some other Pharisees and Sanhedrin council members that are following this guy? It's exactly what they're seeing. Let's look at 50 and 51. It's kind of exciting. Verse 50 says, Nicodemus saith unto them, Oh, here he comes. He's getting out, right? Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? Nicodemus finally stands up. He can't take it anymore. He stands up, and he doesn't just come out and say, This is the Messiah. 
He's kind of trying to use their own law, right? He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's my opinion. Jesus should not be arrested, you know, and he should not be condemned because our law, doesn't it say we should hear him first? We should hear from him personally? That warrant you have for his arrest and his death, but you haven't tried him. That's where we get our, our uh, law today that you've got to have a trial before you're found guilty, right? Innocent before... Uh, before being found guilty, you've got to have that trial. And this is exactly what Nicodemus is saying. And he asked them, does our, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? What does he mean? Learning what his gospel is. He's saying, we can't condemn this man. Nicodemus, we see here, is standing up for Jesus, and he's using their own words against them. Their own laws, right? This is the, the last time we actually see Nicodemus in the Bible. Uh, is in, in, not in this chapter, it's in, in chapter 19, and it's just after Christ gets crucified. So they're, they're deciding what to do with Christ here, and Nicodemus stands up. and says, we need to see what, what he's about, right? So we know the story of what happened to Jesus, but let's go on and keep our focus on Nicodemus, right? Let's keep our focus on old Nicodemus. Let's go to John chapter 19. John 19, if I can get there, there it is. So we see here the Sanhedrin, they go ahead and try Jesus, right? And we know how the trial went, okay? He got beat, he got crowns put on him, a crown of thorns put on him, he got a robe put on him, he got spit on, he got hit and scourged with the, the cat of nine tail thing and, and he, he got beaten and, and, and they questioned him and they're like are you God and he says well you say it you know and they asked him who are you they're trying to get him to, to deal him he's like you already know you've seen my ministry you've seen the three years of ministry that, that I've went out here and preached the gospel you've seen my miracles you know who I am he doesn't have to explain himself He's being falsely accused, and he doesn't have to explain himself. Just like us, when we're falsely accused, somebody wants to falsely accuse you of something, you don't have to explain yourself because you know you're right. You know you're right. This is exactly what Christ was at. He knew who he was. He knew his ministry was true. He knew all the miracles were real. He knew all these followers, and he knew old Nicodemus. And I'm sure he may have looked at Nicodemus, you know, because Nicodemus is there. He stood up for him. Christ had to hear that. So we see now, now he went all through this. And remember, the Sanhedrin has no real superpower. They have power, but not like that. So they had to take Christ and give him over to the Romans. And, uh, you know, we know how that went with Pilate. And uh, Pilate still said, I don't find nothing wrong with him, but, you know, you want Christ to be released or a murder? And they're like, a murder. He's like, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. Christ or murder? Murder. Murder or Christ? Murder. Okay, whatever. I give up. So Pilate gave up, and what happened? Christ was crucified, right? We know that story. So here we see, after they've crucified him, after they've crucified him in, in, in John 19, let's, let's look at verse 38. That's where we're at. So we went through this whole story. We've got to hear, you know, Nicodemus was there. He was with the group. He tried to stand up for Christ. They didn't listen to him. I'm sure he was there at the, the, he probably sat through the trial. Can you imagine sitting through the trial? There's your Savior. You know he did nothing wrong. You believe in him. 
He's your master. He's your savior. And they're, they're, they're going through the trial. They're falsely accusing him. Nicodemus sat through that. Okay? He probably was there during the death. He probably saw the crucifixion. He saw Christ die. It doesn't say, but why not? He's a follower. It said some followers stood afar off. They watched it. He may, have, he may have left when he saw Christ carrying his cross. Who knows? But Nicodemus knew in his heart because he believed in Christ. He was a follower of Christ. Well, this is where we're at. And we're going to read uh, John 19, 38 through 42. And the Bible says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. Here he is. Which at first light came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, aloes about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. A lot just happened. But let's see old Nicodemus, right? So we see Jesus gave his life on a cross. And here's another secret follower, old Joseph of Arimathea. And we've talked about him. He had power too. He was a rich guy, right? He came and asked for the body of Christ. Well, who else was there? Nicodemus. It says Nicodemus was with Joseph of Arimathea. And they probably ran in the same groups. They were powerful Jewish people, right? They ran in the same groups. Maybe when Nicodemus said, we... Maybe he's talking about old Joseph of Arimathea and some other friends, right? So what does Nicodemus do? He brings 100 pounds of spices that they used for preparing bodies for burial. And he brought these 100 pounds of spices just for Jesus' body, for his burial, right? And, and the large amount of burial spices tells us two things about Nicodemus. Because I know a regular Jewish burial, you didn't get 100 pounds of expensive spices, you know, maybe a Ziploc baggie full, don't know. But it wasn't 100 pounds. And the Bible is very specific with that because it wants us to know something here. It wants us to know there, there's a couple things we can find out. So the first thing we know is that Nicodemus had some money. He was wealthy, okay? He had no reason to follow Christ. He had everything he wanted. He was rich. But he followed Christ because he believed, because he knew the Old Testament. He knew the law. He heard about the Messiah coming, and he believed it. And he used that wealth to buy a 100-pound weight of burial spices for Christ. He overdid it. He went above and beyond because this is his Savior. Okay? So we know he's wealthy. Second, because he did this, we know that Nicodemus had a great respect for Jesus Christ, and he cared greatly for Jesus Christ. He wanted it to be over and above, beyond what was normal for a, a Jewish burial, right? So Nicodemus, we see, was assisting Joseph. He assisted Joseph in wrapping up Jesus' body and placing it in the tomb. Nicodemus is there. He's doing all this. He's doing this physical labor. And we don't know anything else about old Nicodemus after this point. And we never know. It doesn't specifically say he was saved, 
or what he did after the resurrection. We don't know if he had any part of the New Testament church, but I guarantee you Christ taught him salvation face to face, and you see his actions after that moment, he had to be saved. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Look at Nicodemus. Even though he was secretly following because he was scared for his life, he still stood up for Christ at the end, and he still came when his body was being entombed, and he went over and beyond, right? And, and when it, would, it would appear that Nicodemus, he's, he's similar to old Joseph of Arimathea. They're, they're the same there, right? In that he, too, was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus, but he didn't have the courage to stand up and declare the fact openly during that time. If he did, the Jews were to turn against him. The Romans were to turn against him. So they just kind of secretly followed. But they were still followers, right? Perhaps Nicodemus' final recorded act was his declaration of faith for Christ, right? And, and although we're not told how public it was, his presentation of the gospel in John, it talks about Nicodemus. His only book that talks about Nicodemus is favorable to Nicodemus. It's nothing negative, right? And it would suggest that Nicodemus had a strong faith, okay, and a genuine faith. Because even though he was part of that group and he knew what was happening and he was there through all of that, Nicodemus still followed Christ. And how is it in our world? You know, we work over here and we hang out with these people and we're in the world, but we still follow Christ. Now, I'm sure, you know, you couldn't have a job that was definitely against the Christ. That wouldn't work with you as a Christian. That would probably change your heart pretty quick, and you would quit if you had a job that did something like that, you know. But we still follow, and are we always open? Or we secretly kind of hide it sometimes? Because it's painful to tell somebody I'm a Christian, especially in this world. They're calling Christians terrorists now. How open are you with your with your your faith, right? And how many of us are like this old Nicodemus? You know, we believe, you know, but we don't let the world know it. Does our, our actions see it? We're secret followers of Jesus because our lives don't show it. You know, if your life doesn't show it, you're a secret follower then. Um, we are all part of this world. And, you know, we go to church on Sunday and we go to church on Wednesday. Yet in our daily lives, the people, would people even suspect you go to church? You know? Are you just quiet? You don't say anything? You know? Um, then when our, when our life is over and, and we're near the end of our race, you know, then that's why we can try to start disciplining our following to Jesus, you know. Once we're retired and we're not in the workforce anymore, then we go to church all the time, we carry our Bibles all the time, we start talking to people about Christ. But what if we did it before? What if we talked about Christ since the day we got saved? What if we didn't get weak and fall, what is it, fall to the left or to the right? Stay the path. Stay true. Don't think things knock us off. That's what we have to do. You know, Nicodemus was a good example. Um, he did follow. He was saved. And he had respect and faith in the Lord all the way to the end. Okay? Let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today just to thank you for this day. and Thank you for the lesson about old Nicodemus, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, I just ask you to help us be not so much like Nicodemus in his actions to secretly follow, but to also be like Nicodemus in his genuine faith and, and, and just questioning and seeking the Lord. And I ask you just to be with us the rest of this day, Lord. Just 
help us stay strong and, and Lord, just continue to fellowship and worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.